I'm so glad that you're joining us today. There's just a few of us here at our church office, and we are uh, recording this at our 9.30 time slot. Uh, we wanted to meet for worship on Sunday morning because that all of our locations, we meet approximately at that time every Sunday. We want a little bit of normalcy here. Uh, even though we can't gather in person, thanks to the internet, we still can gather online. And that really makes me happy that we can be worshiping together today. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, I got three helpful perspectives today, straight out of God's Word. And, that, and I want to remind us that God's Word is our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And that there's some good guidance in His Word today. As we're going through a time that none of us can remember anything quite like this. I mean, with schools being closed and restaurants where you can get takeout but you can't eat there. And uh, most of us are even working from home or we may not be able to go to work at all right now. And so in the midst of uncertain times, I wanted to present to us three helpful perspectives this morning that will help us think rightly about things. First of all, I want to remind us of this perspective. The Bible tells us that we live in a fallen world, but this world is not our home. We live in a fallen world, but it's not our home. In fact, at the very opening pages of the Bible, it tells us that when God created the world, it was good. And when Adam and Eve, the first two people, were placed in the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. There was no sickness. There was no death. There were no viruses. There were no problems. But... Adam and Eve sinned. They were allowed to choose whether they were going to follow God or go their own way. And when the devil tempted them to follow him and rebel against God, they, they bit. They took the temptation. And as a result, the whole world fell. When sin entered into uh, the human race, it had implications uh, for the whole world because their disobedience affected all of creation. Listen to a few verses from Genesis 3. I'll sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. God is speaking to Eve here. And in pain you'll give birth, and you'll desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, well, the ground is cursed because of you. And all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. Then it'll grow thorns and thistles for you, though, you will, though you'll eat of its grains. And by the sweat of your brow, you'll have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you're made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you'll return. And the Bible tells us that, I mean, just in those few verses, all the things that came in because of sin. Oh, my goodness. When the world fell, there's pain, there's hard work, there's death from dust were made and dust returned. And there's even conflict between men and women. All that got introduced when the world fell. And I want to remind us of this because sometimes when things happen, whether it's a hurricane or whether it's a virus like this, it's tempting to say, or many people do ask the legitimate question of, well, if there's a good God in heaven, then why are such bad things happening now? When Paul talked about this in Romans 8, 20, he said this, Against its will, all of creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. The Bible tells us that when our world has fallen here, that we should expect these things. Jesus told his disciples in this world, you're going to have much trouble. But I've overcome the world. In fact, in Hebrews 13, 14, we find these words, this words of encouragement. This world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home that's yet to come. 
uh, I remember a few years ago, I sat down with a man who was uh, really struggling with all this. And about that time, a hurricane had just passed through our area, and there was a lot of destruction, and a number of people had passed away. And he said, well, look, I want to sit down and talk with you because I don't understand something. If there's a good God in heaven, why does he let such bad things happen like this hurricane? And um, he was really, um, he'd been really angry at God for a long time about a whole lot of things. He'd had a lot of disappointment in his life. And I said, well, I'll answer your question if you can answer me one question first. And he said, okay. And I said, well, why do you call it bad? Because he'd said he didn't believe in God and he didn't believe that there was a God at all. And I said, well, if there isn't a God and that everything happened just by accident in this world, why do you say that a hurricane is bad? It's just the latest thing that happened in this developing process that's going on by random chance in our world. And it stopped him short because he'd never thought about it. I said, look, the only reason you say it's bad is because you say this isn't the way things ought to be. And as Christians, we agree. The Bible tells us this isn't the way things ought to be. This isn't the way God intended it. This is what sin brought into our world. And that's why it's so important during times of hardship like this when there are calamities happening because of weather, because of a virus or anything else, it's important to remind ourselves that this isn't the way that God intended the world, and it's not the way it's going to be in heaven. This world isn't our home. And I was able to share with this gentleman, I said, look, if, if you think that things have gone terribly wrong here, I agree. God's solution was to do something about it, to send his son into the world to pay the penalty for our sins, to send us the Holy Spirit so we could live in this world and be set free from the controlling power of sin and then to provide heaven for us where one day we could go and be free from the very presence of sin. All that is promised to us in God's word. To follow Christ is a logical solution to living in a fallen, broken world. But it makes no sense to say that our world has gone bad if it was never right to start with. And so the Bible just simply acknowledges the world the way it is. Broken, fallen, and decaying. But that's not the way heaven is. Not at all. In fact, Jesus encouraged his disciples numerous times and told them to put their focus on him. He even told them, I'm going to go prepare a place for you in heaven. And one day, I'm going to, when it's all ready, I'm going to come get you. And when John had a glimpse of what our eternal home in heaven will look like, Here's what he saw from Revelation 21. I heard a loud shout from the throne of heaven saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He'll live with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to all who are thirsty, I'll give freely from the springs of the water of life. I mean, these are words of great hope and encouragement. Because on the opening pages of the Bible, we find things are perfect. But soon, Adam and Eve fell and all of creation has been struggling under the curse. And then we find in the New Testament how Jesus came to turn things around. And we find at the end of the Bible what heaven will be like where there's no more sin or sorrow or suffering at all. I mean, during times like this, when people are worried about the future and they're 
worried about why things are so wrong in our world, there's a perfect time to remind them this is why we come to Christ. It's why we trust in him. He's the one who can make things right. We have good news to share during hard times. And that's a life application for all of us today. Paul, Peter wrote about this in 1 Peter 3.15. He said, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I mean, we have hope. We have hope that we're going to live forever, that our life here on earth is just a moment compared to an eternity in heaven where there will never be viruses or death or sickness or sorrow ever again. And Peter says, when you do this, do this with gentleness and respect. I mean, the conversation that I had with that man that day, um, he was deeply troubled. I found out why he wanted to meet with me because he'd received a bad diagnosis and he wasn't going to live long. And he wanted to rethink his life and rethink his priorities because he said, can you give me really a hope of eternal life? And I said, oh, I can give you more than a hope. And I read him that passage from Revelation 21, and all this was written down because these words are trustworthy and true. Let me encourage all of us today to remind ourselves of how trustworthy and true our promises of heaven are, and that this world is in our home. Peter said, we are aliens and strangers here. It's kind of like we're temporary residents. So even when things are painful here, this isn't all there is. There's much more. And that's why we come to Christ. And that's good news. So a helpful perspective for me anytime I'm going through a hard time is to remind myself that I live in a fallen world. This world is in my home. Secondly, I think it's important to remind ourselves of this, that God has helped us through hard times in the past, and he's going to see us through this too. He will. I mean, one of the great things about having a relationship with Jesus is that it's a relationship with Jesus. It's not just a uh, one-time meeting. I mean, we walk with him every day. When the Holy Spirit fills us, we have an ongoing connection to our Heavenly Father, and He guides us into all truth, and He convicts us of things we need to change, and He encourages, encourages us to do what's right. It's amazing. And so through a relationship with God, we can be reminded that God has guided us in the past. He's helped us then, so He'll help us now too. Interesting little verse tucked away in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel Chapter 7, verse 12, Samuel was a prophet in Old Testament times. God would speak to him, and then he would speak to God's people, the Israelites. Well, there was a time when they were far from God. They had practiced a lot of idolatry, and their hearts had been far away from seeking the Lord. And uh, a lot of hard times had come upon them. God had said, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you turn away from me, I'll let you chase after other gods. They'd started worshiping little idols who couldn't protect them from their enemies at all. And God allowed them to get exactly what they wanted. Finally, they came to their senses and they repented. And they said, we need to go back to God. He's our protector. And Samuel said, well, that's exactly right. And so they gathered together at a place called Mizpah, and while they were praying there, a time of repentance was a time of fasting and spiritual renewal. Their enemies, the Philistines, surrounded them and thought, we're going to attack them while they're all at worship. And God sent down this mighty thunderclap right when they were about to attack. Samuel was praying for them, and all the Philistines scattered in fear, and the Israelites chased after them, and they won a great victory. 
And then listen to this verse. After this great victory, they chased their enemies a good distance. Samuel then took a large stone and he placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshana, which mean nothing to us. Just think of um, Prattville and, and uh, Wetumpka, okay? <laughs> All right, halfway there. Uh, and he named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help, for he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. A number of years ago, my wife and I uh, traveled to Israel, and in the fields out there in Israel, occasionally you'll see a big boulder or a big rock standing in the middle of the field. That was an Ebenezer. When the Israelites would win a big battle, they'd set up a stone of remembrance, a rock of remembrance. And Samuel said, the reason we're doing this is so we'll never forget that the Lord helped us this far. I mean, the reason you set up a rock of remembrance is the rock isn't going to wear out, and we don't ever want to forget this. The Lord got us this far. And that's why it's so helpful for us to think about those things too and say, look, God helped me through college. God helped me meet my spouse, what I'm talking about in my life here, when he brought me and Debbie together. He blessed us with children. He called me into ministry. I could go through a whole series of events, and each time I could tell you important markers in my life. Well, I know that God led me this far. Well, then the only question that I need to ask myself after that is, well, if he guided me through all those steps and got me that far, has he changed? Has he stopped doing that? Has he run out of wisdom? Is he out of business now? And the answer is, of course not. In fact, listen to another verse from the Old Testament, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. The prophet Jeremiah wrote these things. He said, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, and therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him and to those who search for him. I hope these verses bring you great encouragement. Jeremiah wrote those at a time when the people had rebelled again, and they had turned away from the Lord again. And he reminded them, even when we turn away from the Lord and we are faithless to him, he's always faithful to us. What a great understanding. If God has helped us in the past, well, he's not going to change now. His mercies never cease. He's guided us safely through other storms. He'll guide us safely through this one. I mean, this is a big problem and a big puzzle, and we're not sure exactly how it's going to turn out, but we can be confident that Jesus is with us and he'll guide us through this. In fact, Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you're at a place where you can repeat that out loud with me, would you just repeat that out loud with me? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. The same Jesus who hung on the cross and paid the penalty for my sins Paul tells us in Romans 8 that that same Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father and interceding for each one of us right now. He knows the number of hairs on our heads. He knows everything we're going through, and he's going to guide us through this. So here's a life application point for all of us. We have much to be thankful for today and every day. In the midst of a crisis, in the midst of facing uncertain times, a right thing to do is to praise God and thank him for getting us this far. To go back and look at the rock of remembrance 
and say, Lord, you took care of me this far, and you never change. I'm going to thank you for all that you've done, and I'm going to trust you with the problem that's coming my way today. A few verses from Psalm 103. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death, and he crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. It'd be so wonderful if today we took a few minutes as a family, maybe at a mealtime, or just personally, and even sat down and recounted some things with a piece of paper. Lord, these are great answers to prayer you've given to me in the past. That sheet of paper can be like a, a rock of remembrance. Um, there was an old hymn entitled, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And one of the verses in that hymn says this, Here I raise my Ebenezer, and here by thy great help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. And the verse simply says, you've taken me this far, and it's by your help that I've made it here. I'm counting on your help to guide me safely home to heaven one day. So I'm not suggesting you go put a big boulder in your front yard, but I am suggesting that if you and I would write a few words down on a piece of paper, we could remind ourselves of all the good things that God has already done for us, and then it makes the future a lot less scary. I think that's what Paul meant when he said, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Give your request to God along with thanksgiving, and he'll give you a peace that transcends all understanding. It'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus because we're focusing on what he's already done. He's taken us safely this far. So God's here with us today, and we live in a fallen world, but it's not our home. He's helped us through hard times in the past. He'll see us through this too. And a third perspective I'd remind you of this morning is that God uses even hard times for our good. Romans 8, 28, Paul said, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This doesn't mean that everything that comes into our life is good. It means that everything that comes into our life will be used for good by God in ways that we can't even understand. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. They were jealous of him. They hated him. They wanted to get rid of him. And so they literally sold him into slavery. And they thought they'd gotten rid of him for good. Joseph didn't have any idea what was going on in his life. God had given him dreams that one day he would be a ruler and his brothers would actually bow down to him. And yet when he was sold into slavery, I'm sure that all seemed impossible. He spent 13 years as either a slave or later as a prisoner who was falsely accused of uh, trying to attack his master's wife and rape her. And so Joseph had to deal with all kinds of hardship in his life, but God used all of it for good in two ways. In Psalm 105, we find these verses. They bruised Joseph's feet with fetters and they placed his neck in an iron collar in prison until the time came to fulfill his dreams. And, then the, Lord, and the Lord tested Joseph's character that whole time. God was refining him, strengthening him. And one of the things we see that happens during hard times is our character gets developed. Our patience is tested. Our trust in God has a chance to develop. Our ability to surrender our problems to him really gets a workout. I mean, am I going to worry about this or am I going to pray? Am I going to give in to fear? 
Or am I going to remember that God didn't give us a spirit of fear? He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. What's going to dominate my thoughts today? Am I going to use this as an opportunity to take care of others, or am I just going to worry about myself? And we go through hard times, all of those important issues dealing with faith and trust and depending on God, well, that all gets a test. For 13 years, it did in Joseph's life. And when the right time came, Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, had a dream that he couldn't interpret. And Joseph was brought in to interpret it. And because he could, Pharaoh appointed him the prime minister of Egypt. And that's where he spent the rest of his life in a highly honored position. And his brothers eventually did come to him and bow down to him, just as God had revealed to him in a dream. Later on, after all this had happened, the brothers came to him and they were afraid that Joseph would seek revenge, that he would kill them because they had sold him into slavery and forgotten all about him. And here was Joseph's response. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And Joseph said, no, I don't want revenge on you. Can't you see God planned all this? I mean, during those years in slavery and in prison, God had refined Joseph's character so much that by the time he met his brothers, he didn't have any anger or vengeance left. He just trusted in God. I mean, what if you and I understand the situation we're going through now? We're, we're living in uncertain times. This is a call for us to pray. This is a call for us to put our trust in God and to spend more time reading his word. This is a call for us to allow God to do whatever he wants in our lives. And to say, God, can you use this for good in my life? Have I been too distracted? What needs to change? And that's why I have a life application for us on this. Hard times always provide us with surprising opportunities to mature and pray and serve and love and share and forgive and build relationships. Just because we can't meet in person with one another doesn't mean we can't still carry out the one another's commanded in Scripture to pray with one another, forgive one another, love one another, serve one another. We can do all those things. In fact, let me give you three ideas. First of all, you and I, we now have an opportunity here. I, I think this is one big thing. A number of you have even emailed me articles on the Internet where people have begun to realize this, that... Because of the coronavirus, most of us have had our schedules completely changed. Mine is. Uh, it's wide open now. And because we have a lot of free time or time that we didn't plan uh, or that had been planned to use elsewhere, it's now available. We've got time to do this. We've got time to grow in our relationship with God. I mean, what if we carved out time each day now over the next couple of weeks or however long this is going to last to make sure that we're spending time in prayer and reading God's word. Well, that's going to increase our trust in him. If you don't know where to start to read or you don't know how to pray, simply email us. Um, you can get us online. We'll be glad to help you. There's all of us on our staff. We'd love it. You can call us. Our staff is working from home, but our phones are still working. And we would love for you to call us, and we'd uh, love to help you figure that out. In fact, tonight at 6 p.m., Debbie and I are going to be having a prayer time together. We've been praying about all this, and we'll go on Facebook Live and on YouTube Live with just a, a prayer meeting. Um, you can join us at 6 o'clock tonight and pray along with us if you're not sure what to pray, pray about for a few minutes.
Secondly, you and I have an opportunity to grow closer to our families. Debbie and I have taken walks each day, and it's been really fun to get out in fresh air and get away from our phones and away from all the news broadcasts and things. But as we've done that, we've had a chance to interact with all kinds of neighbors. And one of our neighbors, uh, we saw him uh, just last night, and he said, look, I got to tell you this. He goes, this is very concerning regarding my career and other things. But he said, I have loved the time that I've had together with my family. There's no travel ball. All of our appointments have been rearranged, and we're having dinner together every night. Another person told me that they're getting together and they're playing board games tonight with their, at night with their kids, and they absolutely love it. And the time together has been a silver lining on this cloud. What if you and I take time to grow closer to our families? We have dinner together and family devotions, and we take walks and we play games. And thirdly, what if you and I see this as an opportunity to serve others? I mean, an opportunity to go check on an elderly person in our neighborhood. An opportunity to get on a conference call with our siblings. Maybe to make things right with somebody we needed to apologize to. To have that conversation. If I just had time, well, now I've got it. Or maybe to go give blood. It's important that we be good neighbors now. And make the most of the time that God's given us. The Apostle Paul found himself in a situation where he was—he had been arrested uh, for preaching the gospel. And he said what's really interesting is when he wrote to the Philippians, he said, I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. This is from the message translation. Instead of being squelched, the message, the good news of the gospel, has actually prospered. All the soldiers here and everyone else, too, found out that I'm in jail because of Jesus, the Messiah. And that piqued their curiosity, and now they've learned all about him. Not only that, but most of the Christians here have become far more sure of themselves in faith than ever, speaking out fearlessly about God, about the Messiah. I mean, just think of this. What if all of us looked back a year from now and said, you know, we went through some terribly hard times because of the coronavirus, some hard times as a country. But I want to tell you, there was a spiritual awakening in me, a spiritual awakening in my family and in my church. And I want to raise an Ebenezer. I don't ever want to forget what God did for me because it was life-changing. God's with us, and he's going to use even the hard times for good. God's with us. He's helped us in the past and helped us through this too. God's with us, and though we live in a fallen world, It won't be long till we go to heaven, and that's our real home. Will you pray with me, please? Oh, gracious God, we just pray for your perspective on our lives. I pray that you'd open our eyes to see things we might never otherwise see. You'd give us eyes to see the opportunities of how we could check on an elderly neighbor or just make a phone call to three friends. We pray, Lord, that you would remind us that this world is not our home. We're just temporary residents here. And gracious God, the more we focus on you and the more we focus on heaven, well, the less frightening things are here. And Father, I pray that we will never forget all the good things you've done for us in the past. And I thank you, Lord, that you never change. Human leaders will fail, and human leaders 
will disappoint us, but you never will because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we trust you completely. We pray these things together in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.